Il fait beau aujourd'hui, n'est-ce pas? Isn't it a beautiful day today? Aren't you glad to be here? Okay, well, we are going to study God's Word in just a minute together, but I, I just want to share kind of a fun uh, story with you from last Sunday uh, that, uh, you know, some of our groups meet together and uh, and in addition to praying together, we'll like watch the service together. And, and we actually had a, a family last week that had a, a number of different family members visiting. And they, they brought all their family together in their home because some were not able to come uh, to church because of restrictions and their health and, and so forth. And so, uh, so they, they got together as a, as a family with extended family members and invited them to come over and watch church together last Sunday for the live stream. And uh, one of the family members talked about some of the stuff that they were going th uh, through, asked for healing, prayer from another family member, experienced a breakthrough. And then, listen to this, uh, one of our leaders here at the church said, I gave her some insight into how God designed her uniquely, and she agreed that she bears burdens for other people which weigh her down, and I showed her how to pray for these people and give the burdens to Jesus and ask him to heal them. And so this lady last week had, had been carrying a burden for her friend who has had concussion symptoms. She applied what I told her. She told her friend that she would pray for her and then this was later this week, and this morning, she said, her friend woke up the very next day. The friend woke up with no headache for the first time in six weeks, claiming the healing power of Jesus. Isn't God good? Isn't that cool? And so the healing power of prayer is at work as we pray for one another. And we're going to invite you into more of that later in the service. And so stay tuned to the very end as we talk about how you can receive prayer ministry. And a lot of that, we, we believe that God is calling us into deeper spiritual community in prayer together in our small groups this year. And so if you've not signed up for a, a small group yet, mw.church groups, just go to our website, you can track it down, put your name on the list so that you can get on the list to be part of a new group launching this fall. You're not going to want to miss it. Now, for the rest of this summer, we are in this series that we have been calling All Things New. And last week we introduced this topic where, where I said that God wants to place a new sense of calling in our lives. And this, this issue of God's calling is something that we find all throughout Scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says that God has saved us and called us to a holy life. Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been what? Who have been called according to his purpose. John 6.44, no one comes to the Father or, or to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. It's God drawing us and calling us. 1 Corinthians 1.26, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were 
called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God called us anyway. Amen? First Peter 2, verse 8 and 9. They stumble out there because they do not obey God's word. So they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So make no mistake, God's first calling on your life is for salvation. God has called you to come out of the darkness of this world and into his wonderful light. And that's what we mean in the church when we talk about salvation. That, that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins so that we can receive him. And when we do, when we follow Jesus together, we enter into a shared calling. But when we do that, that shared calling also then involves, as Dorothy said at the beginning of the service, some type of specialized, individualized callings that he places on our, on our lives as well. Not everybody is called to, to operate and live that out in the exact same ways. Some of you would just about have a heart attack if God said his call for you was to get up here and teach the Bible on the platform every morning. Uh, every Sunday morning or, or, or whatever it is. And some of the things that God has called you to, I'm really glad that God put that on your life and not me too, that we have some individualized callings as well. And, and when what we talked about last week is how then God's call motivates us to become productive and, and, and to make progress in these areas of our lives. We looked at verses like 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 11 to 13. We hear that some among you are idle, which is another word for lazy. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. And Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, do it all with all your heart, with all your heart as working for the Lord, not just for human masters. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so God's calling will, will move us to be passionate and productive in our lives and, and make progress in various areas. But last week, we also identified a danger that can slip in if we're not careful. That if we're not careful, this passion for productivity and progress in our lives can also lead us across the line sometimes into something destructive that we called drivenness. And so what is the difference between being called versus being driven. 
So instead of a definition, last week I gave uh, uh, the, um, the wonderful privilege to my wife of helping us with an illustration. And some of you prayed for my safety after the service that I didn't get in too much trouble when I got home. But I, I, in fact, Kenzie in the office this week asked, like, seriously, Joel, are you all right? Like at home, did you get in trouble when, when you did this illustration with Tracy last week? And, and, and I said, listen, Kenzie, after 25 years of marriage, I know where the line is and where not to cross it. So we're good. It's all right. Uh, but Tracy was a really great sport last week and helped us out with this illustration Go ahead and watch this. Let me show you. I might get in trouble. Here's what I need today. I need for you to pretend to be a horse. Okay? Remember, it's it's on theme because we've been talking about farm and barnyard animals today, right? So I I promise it has a purpose, okay? Can can you, should I make you? (laughs) Okay, okay, that's good. Excellent. So here's what we're going to do. That when you want a horse to go somewhere, if you want a horse to move, there are two ways that you can go about it, okay? The first way is you can come to the front and call the horse to come. Come here, horsey. Come here, come here, come here, come here. You're really good. (laughs) You're such a good sport. I thought I was going to be in so much trouble. And, uh, and so uh, you can call the horse to come by the sound of your voice. Or, let's, let's turn you around now. Or, if you want to get a horse to move, you can push and drive, maybe even use a whip, right, in some cases, to get the horse to move, right? So, that, so let's talk about the difference again one more time just so we get this. That... When you call someone, they come because they love and trust you. When you drive someone, they move out of fear and insecurity. Which way does God work? I I think this is what so many people fundamentally misunderstand about the God of the Bible. That God does not force himself upon us. What God does is he calls us to come to him because we love and have learned to trust the sound of his voice. But the world drives and pressures you and uses fear and insecurity to get you to move. Do you you see the difference? Thank you, horsey. (laughs) Would you thank Tracy for helping us out today? (laughs) Yeah, you can thank her again because she's a really good sport. Uh, she is all kinds of wonderful. And, uh, and isn't that powerful, the difference between being called, and we, we talked about last week, what, is, what does that look like in our lives versus the drivenness of this world, fear and insecurity. And so, again, that's enough of the review, but if you missed that last week, I really want to encourage you to check that out after you get home, or if you're online right now, maybe sometime later this afternoon, uh, to watch that last week, because I heard from a number of people after the service, both in the atrium after, after we dismissed, and then throughout the week, uh, from a number of people who said God really spoke to them in some specific ways last week. And when that happens, again, that's not because of anything that I said. 
It's because of his word and the spirit that speaks into your life when you get into his word. And, if you, and, and we talked last week too. I, I said we're going to stop review. But, but uh, about how if you're not into his word, if you don't prioritize not just daily study, which is obviously important, but also as we get together and we teach and we learn from one another and we grow together, uh, God begins to speak into us and we begin to discover more of his calling. So let's pick up the story and, and we're going to pick up where we left off and then keep on going in the, in the story of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. And so this is John the Baptist speaking to the crowd and in Matthew 3.11, John says to the crowd, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so John was speaking into the calling of Jesus. And then in the next few verses, Jesus steps out from the crowd and comes down to the river where John is and skip down and, and pick up with verse 16. And as soon as John was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him and a voice from heaven. We're going to talk about what it means to hear God's voice later. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And what you see here in this calling is a whole new season, this whole new phase in Jesus' life where everything changes from this point forward. But here's what we need to, to, to understand. And, and I'm, I'm almost hesitant because... You know, I know in this discouraging world in which we live right now, in this crazy season that we're all going through together as a world and as a community, I almost hesitate to tell you this truth, but you need to know it so it doesn't catch you by surprise. That what will often happen as soon as you have a spiritual breakthrough with God, many times it will immediately be followed by a time of trials and great testing. Because here's what happens. When you begin to recognize God's calling in your life, all of a sudden, Satan has been over here not paying attention to you because you're not a threat. But when you start moving according to God's call in your life and you start to become productive and make progress and have spiritual breakthrough, all of a sudden, Satan starts to get scared of you and he comes over and starts paying attention and will start to, to, to bring attacks into your life. Look at what happens next. The very next thing that happens, right after his calling is revealed, chapter 4, verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Just like Jesus, when you start to recognize with crystal clarity what God wants you to do with your life, Satan is going to start to come after you. And here's the good news, though. There is good news that the attacks of Satan can often serve as a tool to test your motives. 
You see, Jesus is about to figure something out here. Jesus is about to, to figure out, was he going to be called or was he going to be driven? Was he going to operate out of faith and love or is he going to be driven by the fears and insecurities of this world? And so in these next few verses, Jesus is about to face three specific tests that are going to challenge his calling. The first one starts in chapter four, verse two. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And so Jesus has been fasting for 40 days, which means he has had nothing to eat for 40 days. So he is very hungry. And what Satan does, he comes along and tries to exploit the hunger of Jesus. And you need to know that that is what Satan does in your life as well. He will come along into your life and look to see where there is an area of need that he can exploit. And he'll begin to put his finger on that area of need or that area of lack in your life or that weakness in your life. He'll start pushing that. He knows how to push your buttons and he'll start to, to make it where that need in your life, that hunger in your life, that whatever it is that you lack is all you can think about. And he begins to convince you that the only way you can get what you need is if you do it outside of the plans that God has clearly established for you. But look at how Jesus responds. Are you ready? This was the first test. Number one, test number one is, are you satisfying your needs the world's way or God's way? And Jesus responds in Matthew 4, verse 4, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, when I read this, can I just tell you, I can't help but to think of finances because where do we get bread in our society? Do we go out and grow the wheat and then, you know, crush it and, and, and you know, or do we go to the store and buy bread with what? With money, right? And so, so I think sometimes maybe bread in our lives can represent how we handle money in supplying our needs? How do we pursue what we need? And here's the answer. Number one, called people trust God as the supplier of our needs. For Jesus, he was experiencing a very real physical hunger. And we all have hungers and, and, and uh, desires of the flesh but Jesus, instead of surrendering to that hunger, instead of surrendering to temptation, instead Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, what this world offers can never truly satisfy the hungers of the human heart. Only God's word can do that. And then in the next verse, we see test number two. Verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city 
and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And so uh, just back at the very beginning of March, right before all of the COVID lockdowns, we actually had a large group that we took to Israel. And so the last time we were in Israel, we always take people to this very place called the pinnacle of the temple or the highest point. And it would be a place where everyone in Jerusalem who would be there to celebrate the festivals would see. And so if, if Jesus wanted to do what Satan suggests, this would be the perfect place to do it. And, and he could jump off the highest point of the temple and angels would sweep him up and everybody's watching would go, ooh, as Jesus flies over their heads like a superhero with his robe and sash flying like a cape. And everybody would cheer and clap and people would be astonished and amazed. And Satan says, go ahead, Jesus, do it. And that's test number two. Will you seek popularity and the praise of people? In other words, this was the temptation to show off and impress people. But verse seven, Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And so here's how called people think. To test number two, called people do their best and leave the outcome to God. Because you can't always impress everybody. Not everybody is gonna be your fan when you follow Jesus. In fact, Jesus said, if you follow me, you can expect that you will be persecuted like me. And even Jesus was nailed to the cross even though he had done nothing wrong. You can expect when you follow Jesus to go through hard times and not be everybody's favorite. In fact, if everybody in our world thinks you're awesome, that might be a sign that there's a problem, right? Because there should be differences between us and the world. And this means that sometimes we'll do things that, that the world just doesn't even understand. I, I was talking with somebody just this week uh, who felt like God was calling them to a whole new season in their life and that to obey God's call, they quit their high-paying job with lots of status and lots of money to pursue a life devoted to ministry. Like God calls us to do some crazy stuff, but called people know that doing the right thing is the important thing whether other people notice or not. And so before we get into the last one, one more, Remember what is the difference? This is gonna set up the last test that Jesus faced. What is the difference between being called and being driven? And last week we said the difference is motivation, right? And we said that on the outside, sometimes you can't always tell the difference between a called person and a driven person because on the outside you look and both called people and driven people work really hard. They're both 
committed to the mission and will often sacrifice to accomplish great things. They're both devoted to excellence in their lives. But the difference is the called person does those things out of love and trust for God, while the driven person things does those out of the fears and insecurities of this world. And so we said the difference is the question of motivation, the question of why do we do the things that we do? I had another conversation right after church last Sunday with somebody who said, Joel, that's, that, that idea of asking why was so powerful for me. They said, because I realize right now I'm being driven in some areas and God spoke to me this morning and said, some of the things that I'm being driven towards, it's not motivated by God. It's by some of the other things. And so, so verse eight, this is what Jesus is confronted with in this last test. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, Satan said, if you will bow down and worship me. And this was test number three. Who or what will be your Lord? In other words, who or what will be God in your life? Because the Bible says that you and I were created as worshipers. It is hardwired into our DNA that every day, whether we realize it or not, we are worshiping someone or something. And it's different for different people. Like what is a temptation for you might be totally different than for someone else. And for some people, it's power and recognition. For some people, it's money and possessions. For some people, it's sex or, or popularity or pleasure or comfort or entertainment. All these things that the world offers us. But listen, you can worship any of that stuff that you want. Or you can worship God. But you can't do both. The, the Bible says you cannot serve both God and and the things of this world. In verse 10, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. You see, that is how called people think to test number three. Called people worship and serve only God. Jesus said, there's only one who I worship. There's only one whom I will serve. There is only one who will be the motivation in my life. And so if you want to live out this beautiful calling that God wants to place in your life, listen, you need to be prepared for the fact that it's not always going to be easy. There will be tests and trials, and as soon as you start getting your life right with Jesus, you're gonna get Satan's attention, and he's gonna start coming after you sometimes with these three challenges. Test number one, are we gonna satisfy our needs the world's way or God's way? How are we trying to satisfy the appetites and the hungers of our heart? Test number two, am I seeking popularity and the praise of other people? You know, this world and Canada as a whole is becoming increasingly more hostile to the Bible and to church. And if we're not careful, and I can think of times like this in my life 
when I was growing up. I remember as, as a young man, before I was fully pursuing God's call in my life, there were times that I was embarrassed and ashamed of the gospel because of what other people said about me, what other people thought about me. But the moment we seek the popularity and praise of, of other people is the moment the voice of God becomes more and more silenced in our lives. Because listen, I, I had this amazing thought this week and, I, and, and I, I started writing it out and what's the best way to communicate this in just a sentence? And here's what I felt God laid on my heart was this, this thought. The more you fear the voices of this world, the less you hear the voice of God. The more you fear the voices of this world, the less you hear the voice of God. Which then ultimately leads to test number three. Who or what are you worshiping and serving? And it's really easy to tell. Because usually, all we have to do is figure out what do I think about most in my life? <laughs> what do you think about most? What do you, what do you spend most of your money on? What do you worry about most? Because many times, that will reveal what you really are worshiping in your life. And so I just want to encourage you wherever you are here in the room, if you want to go ahead and, and stand with me as we prepare our hearts. And those of you who are with us online, if you could just take a moment and, and try to shut out all the distractions that are around you. Maybe you're listening to this driving the car right now online and you need to just pull over and find a quiet place to allow God to minister to your heart right now. And I just want you to, to look at these questions And as we meditate on these thoughts, I want to add another thought to it. This morning I was praying through this passage of Scripture just one more time before sharing it with you. And the thought that, that came to mind as I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, for some people right now, COVID and all that it has brought is your desert season in the wilderness where Satan is testing you right now. Now that may not be true for everybody, but I wonder if there are some who you specifically can identify right now with the story of Jesus because you feel like every week it's a new challenge and Satan is coming back and hammering you again and again and again with test after test. And maybe your family feels beaten up right now. Maybe right now you, you just came in here today hanging on for just a thread of hope. And I think the word of God to you here today is God is faithful. God is faithful. Whatever you need today, He is faithful. So Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that you would minister to the heart 
of every child, every adult, here on the, in this room and those who are watching online, Lord, may your spirit be doing a work in our hearts. I just want to listen to your voice. Speak. Speak, Lord. Lord, we, we want to be faithful to pray for our leaders as you have called us to do in your word. All around the room, could we just start right now? Remember, when, when we pray, it's not just listening to somebody talk to God like up on a platform. It's all of us praying together. That's why we're two or three are gathered. The spirit of the Lord is there. When two or three agree, there's a lot of that in scripture. When two or three bind, it's this, and so prayer is the act of us corporately pressing in and being in agreement. And could we just start right now in your heart? Would you pray for church leaders and Christian leaders in the spiritual community all around greater Moncton and the Maritimes right now as they face challenging times? Lord, we pray that you would lead and guide and guard and protect and encourage broken down and beat up leaders within your kingdom, Lord, that your spirit would rise up from within them. Lord, I feel you calling us to pray for school leaders right now and our public school systems, Lord, and our private schools. Lord, we need wisdom and discernment. It doesn't matter what decision they make, half the people are gonna disagree with it. It's no fun being a leader in seasons like this. And so Lord, I pray that you would guard them and guide them, that you would give wisdom and anointing to leaders in our school systems across the Maritimes. I don't know what they're supposed to do, but Lord, they need your wisdom. And Lord, for teachers and administrators and the staff, Lord, they need you. Lord, I, I pray for business leaders right now who are struggling what to do with their company that is on the rocks. Lord, I pray that as they press into you and call out to you, that you would give them supernatural wisdom. And Lord, maybe even supernatural provision in ways that they never even saw coming. That is, they are faithful to you, Lord, you would demonstrate your faithfulness to them. Oh, could we join together and pray for our provincial leaders across this land? Lord, again, it doesn't matter what decision they make, half the people are gonna love it and half are gonna hate it. But Lord, that you would 
draw them unto you. Lord, leaders in our country who are trying their best, but their best will always fall short apart from the word of God. And so Lord, we pray that you would pour out your spirit upon them. Lord, we pray for our neighbors to the south in the United States right now as they're facing elections and the chaos that they're experiencing. Lord, may you break into churches and just cause for them to be grace and truth, grace and truth to their communities. Oh Lord, we pray right now for families all around this room and online right now, those who feel broken down and beaten up, Lord, Lord, that you would be ministering to their hearts. Lord, for a fresh anointing, for a fresh sense of your calling in their lives. Lord, we pray down heaven upon each and every home. For singles right now, for single people who have perhaps felt particularly isolated in this difficult season. Lord, that you would be near and closer to them, closer than a brother, the word says, closer than a brother. Lord, that you would be there and present in their homes and that they would feel you. And in this season, they would grow in you more than ever before. And so, Lord, may you be lifted up and glorified as Satan comes and brings his tests, as he comes and brings his challenges. Lord, that your spirit would rise up from within us, that you would strengthen us, and that the gates of hell would not be able to stand against us, that we would no longer be in a defensive position, but that we would be in an opposing position, going against the enemy, going against Satan, tearing down his strongholds so that your kingdom of righteousness and peace and joy would rise up and do amazing things here in our community and around the world as we lift up your name and glorify you in the name of Jesus.